I'd like to see the way that how we as activists, artists, creators, curators, whatever we do that brings um, art and value and peace and awareness, how we can bring something different. And that's what I'm talking about, you know, at these big policy kind of meetings which we were excluded from. Is there a way to, you know, <laughs> for people to be more creative within those kind of areas of 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 policy and and um, yeah, just that's what I would love to. That's the vision is to see this embedded into the fabric of everyday life. Imagine Action Podcast. Imagination. Creando comunità trasformative. Social arts across borders. Building transformative communities for future. Nosotros creemos que la imaginación es el We believe imagination is our universal right and regeneration is our collective responsibility. Hello, welcome to Imagine Action podcast. In this conversation, I'm speaking with Tony Sile about theater, creativity, and social action. I'll start with the first question, which is really about your entry point. Like, what was your doorway into the, this world of theater, art, social change? Uh, thank you for that lovely question. What was my entry point? Um, my entry point was around 91. Um, and I, up until that point, I, I pretty much, um, left college at 16 without any education qualifications and, um, kind of blagged my way into a, uh, accountancy firm in the city and kind of said, you know, uh, um, I, I really like accounts and they seemed to take me on. And I remember sort of being a sort of young, uh, 17 year old who was going to work in a suit and everybody was like, Oh my God, how, how did you get that job? And I was like, Oh, I just told them that I'm into accountancy and, um, But anyway, to cut a long story short, I stayed there for seven years and it was a real way of me sort of learning about the world. Um, and I realized after seven years that I was really kind of like just kind of bored of just going to work every day. And I was around 22 at this time, 23, and I wanted to do something that was a bit different, but I didn't know what. And I didn't want to do anything too heavy after work so it had to be something simple and light and I remember thinking oh I'll do piano lessons or I'll do drawing and but none of those really kind of really appealed to me and then I ended up um doing a sort of improvisational workshop at this college there's like an evening class and I was the only guy there and I seemed to have a lots of fun and you know I don't remember much of it but I remember it being quite funny and The woman said, oh, you should go along to Oval House Theatre. And I was like, hmm, Oval House Theatre? I know Oval House Theatre. That's where I used to live. Um, in fact, I remember when I was a kid, um, it, 
Overhouse was this place where all these funny, creative people, you know, at the time it was like circus and theatre and radicalism were hanging out down there. But I just kind of think, that's not for me. So I do remember this kind of little small theatre. And anyway, the woman sent me along there and I joined the youth theatre and we did a play and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And uh, I then went back to my job uh, whilst I was working. I said to them, look, I need a bit more time off to go off and do another play. And they were like, yeah, that's cool. And I took some time off, did the play, came back. And then another play came up and kept on asking them. And they were like, you know, you need to take some unpaid leave now. So I started taking unpaid leave. But after I did the first job, second job, third job, I'd go back to them and say, I need some more time. And they said, look, do you want to work here or do you want to be a performer? I said, actually, I want to be a performer. And I jacked it all in. And everyone was like, what? Are you mad? My mum was like, are you crazy? How am I going to pay the rent now? What are you going to do? And I'm like, I want to be a performer. I don't want to do that stuff anymore. And I went back to the Oval House and did this kind of summer play, which I enjoyed. And at the end of it, like all actors do, you're kind of unemployed looking for your next gig. And I didn't know what to do. And I was just like lost. My bubble had burst. I, I thought, you know, I'd... I'd um, found my what I really wanted to do but I realized it was short-lived and then I started going back to temping jobs but I knew the temping jobs weren't really right and so I was kind of looking to become a performer because somehow of my youth watching movies and it, it seemed to be right this creative path and I started doing a bit more youth theater workshops and and I realized that I was kind of meeting people who were in the arts, who were sort of sharing with me techniques of improvisation, um, not so much forum, but improvisation and drama and TIE and issue-based. And I was really liking that and also making a play. And I felt after about a year or two of doing that, I thought, right, I'm going to go into this full force and create my business because I really want to get into it. And uh, I realized at the time you needed to have an equity card in England to become a professional actor. So me and my friend, we wrote a play and we did it in, in the summer holidays to children. And you had to do like 20 gigs and then get a professional uh, contract at the end of it, which would get you a card. So I did all of that and then became a professional actor. But then the work just dried up and I couldn't find any work. And then I was trying to run workshops with the limited knowledge of what I knew about drama. And I had some friends at the time who worked in children's homes, youth clubs, prisons, and they were like, Tony, you're into that drama stuff. Why don't you come and do drama here? And I was like, nah, my name is in the lights. I want my name to be in lights. I'm not into none of those kind of things. Don't call me. And so for a couple of years, I just tried to continue doing work that I thought was right. And things weren't really working out for me in terms of working with people, uh, running drama workshops in the limited knowledge that I had. And um, the understanding of it that I knew was very much from a sort of classical kind of background, stand up straight, you know, read this, breathe here, walk. and all of that, which I understood at the time, which was what creative actors do to prepare and work, 
I thought that was the way to be an actor. And so when I took on the call after a couple of years because I was broke, I didn't have any money, and my friends say, no, you're still into that drama. Come and do it here. I work in a hospital. You could work with some of my clients. I was like, all right, I'll come and do it purely because it was a way of ending some money. And when I went into those places, nothing worked. I tried to run workshops with these people who I realize now that are very vulnerable, volatile, and got a whole range of issues. But I didn't know that at the time. I was just like, stand up straight, walk over there, hold that script, speak, speak properly. And <laughs> it, just, it all buckled. And that happened for about a year. And I was still searching for inspiration, still trying to learn. And someone said to me, oh, there's this guy around. He's here in London. Why don't you go and do a workshop with him if you're interested in doing workshops? So I went and met uh, Augusta Boal and didn't think much of it. You know, there was all these people, like 200 people in this workshop. I think there was me and another black woman. We were the only black people in the session. You know, I didn't feel kind of right, but I knew there was something about this vibe that was going on. This, this, I couldn't believe so many people had come to see this man sort of show his techniques. And I was inspired by what I had learned in five days of doing a forum theatre play and all the issues. And something in me was like, all like the other previous workshops that I attended was to run back into the community and try it out. And that's what I did with the forum. And I did it particularly with the prisons and the youth clubs and the, and the hospitals. And things slowly started to kind of work um, in terms of engagement and participation with these people that before I was quite abrupt and quite rude with. And things really started to work about their stories. And for me, the rest was kind of like, oh, my God, I've been seduced by this man and, you know, his methods and these teachings. And so then it was like, right, where else is he? Where is he going to be? I've got to be there. And so it was a quest to travel around the world to um, be in the workshop with this man so I could learn all of these things. And at the same time, hearing about other people who had been infected by him and wanted to go to their workshops to equally learn from them. So that whole quest for me has never really ended. I am constantly looking, searching, joining you know, workshops to learn and discover new things and awareness about myself and awareness about the so-called craft. So that's kind of how I got into it. And it's always been a kind of thing, a bit like I feel a little bit kind of Robin Hoodish, where I would go off and be part of this sort of elite circle, being the only black person in the room and taking all of the resources and then running back to my black community and going, look, I've got this stuff that I found. We could do this. Yeah, we could try this out. Let's experiment. Let's do this. And, you know, just be overwhelmed with the possibilities. And then the next question is really like, what is what has been guiding you? What have been your principles? And maybe you said something about it, but what what do you feel like looking at your work? Um, you know, the different groups. What what is leading you as you're kind of uh, going through this research, this quest? The realization of the situation of the oppressed. So when I look and see my own family. 
And when I look outwards and see, you know, close friends um, and then the wider community who are really struggling with oppression in all its form, injustices, inequality, unfairness, mistreatment. When I see those things and those things are really close to me, what drives me is I've got a gift. Can I use this gift to bring people together? bring people across difference together? Can I use it to sort of begin to have a conversation about healing and change? That's what drives me. And the creative way that perhaps that can be done, whether that's just running a drama workshop to a bigger piece of work that might be um, uh, around working with a, a larger group of community people like you know I was very much um driven by uh the establishment about you know radio and having a radio play and I thought wow this would be a great way to have um you know the community speak out about these issues via the radio and I wasn't very much into the radio before but when I heard the radio I thought this is great. And I listened very much to the local radio that's here in the UK on the BBC called The Archers. And it's been going from, I don't know, 1950 or 1960 in this country. And it's just basically about a community of farmers who, you know, are trying to survive. And I, I very much liked the way that the drama was coming out. And I then realised at the time, knowing a little bit about Forum Theatre, I thought what it would be great to fictionalize our plight the black community's plight the black community's kind of problems across difference with different kinds of people what if we could recreate and build and start again the way that it should be and so what i was driven by was to create a kind of fictitious story that started off with a family who arrived were immigrants, but they were trying to embed themselves into the fabric of the community with all of the social problems that existed. But going outwards, looking at the whole community and how the whole community could work together for better. So I started, um, yeah, creating a fictitious town and then have performers, a uh, mixture of performers and non-performers um, local people who are really into the passion of their their issue, climate change or environment or, or, or sexism or whatever it is they were into, to come in and play a role within this radio drama that highlighted A, the issue, and B, we could use the listeners who tuned in to have a discussion about these issues in the wider sense but also took also look at alternatives and solutions through the interactivity. And that drove me immensely for like 12 years working specifically on that project because I knew it was a way to reach many, many people that I couldn't have reached on a normal kind of way. So that's just one example of how what I'm driven by and what I'm constantly fueled to motivate to want to do is because of the ongoing, uh, yeah, oppression that 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 
that, that surrounds you know us as human beings um and specifically for the you know for me as working in the black community that's what's driven me and then the other side of that is really being more creative and artistic uh forms of um projects that i've been driven by which are not so much to do with the oppression side but it's more around you know um can i recreate a uh um have a play that you know is um partly you know immersive interactive promenade on the streets can i recreate a prison cell in a shopping center with local people can i recreate uh, a human library to hear the voices of these people who have been lost and forgotten um i'm i'm also yeah driven by the artistic side of 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 the work and you have actually, uh, I think, a, a workshop called Breaking Barriers. And I feel also this kind of sharing, like breaking the barriers for yourself, for your own community, and also to, you know, for, you know, for everyone else in what is possible. I feel like a spirit of a pioneer. And um, I want to ask, and this is a question about what have been or still are the challenges and the frustrations you have been meeting in this journey? Well, one is not having uh, or not being able to connect and and uh, build relationships with, um, I suppose, you know, not only, there are lots of other practitioners that I can reach out to um, and have dialogues with, but the reality is there's not a lot of, you know, people like me um, in, of my colour, of my, you know, not a lot of black males that I can kind of reach out to and have, a, a, another different type of connection uh, about this work, about the challenges that I'm facing. Um, yes, there's lots and lots of peer groups that I'm involved in that I could share my concerns, the things that matter to me and talk about those challenges and get lots of valuable help. But what's missing is the color the color of the colored people that's what i'm i've i've really missed and found it's 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 very few off the ground um and it's something that is just so rich and valuable to be involved in i i can't stay with it long enough because every time i kind of seem to find a group of people that might be up for something to sustain you know who we are as as people of color it doesn't last very long um and that's what's frustrating and and, and challenging um because you often get spices along the way and you meet people and you feel inspired um but there's not a consistency like i've seen um in it that would be very valuable for me that's definitely been the top of my list is why aren't there as many people of color doing this work um in 2020 and where are they and there are there are lots more that have come on into it that i've got to know over the last 10 15 years um what's also a challenge is i think for me it feels like some of those people within that framework one for a better word, end up either 
being burnt out, feeling very frustrated. And so they let go of the baton and they change and do something else. Maybe stay creative, but doing something completely different that, that is not on my radar. And it feels, it feels very alone doing this work in terms of relating to other uh, people of color. It feels very alone. Um, and it, that's something that I've had to live with, really, um, um, in going to workshops, in going to trainings, to, to, to having that peer group that you can kind of come back to. Um, that's, that's, it's almost like it reminds me of the days when I wanted to be an actor. You had to find this inner hardness of you go along to an audition, you don't get the job, and you know, you've got to get over it, pick yourself up and move on. And so within this business, you know, it's very much like that for me. It feels like I can't let that affect me. And it has an, it has probably had a huge effect on me. But again, because I've got this energy, I'm healthy, I'm well, I, I don't feel, you know, um, what's the word? I don't feel like, oh, God, this is really weighing me down. I need to give it a break or... I am so, I'm still as hungry and passionate about this business than I was 30 years ago because there is so much to do and I am able to do it and I feel good within my spirits about the work. So I keep on wanting to spread the love that I've got and share it with other people because it's, it's making me feel good about myself. But it is a huge challenge to know the reality is that, you know, you, doing this work yeah you're pretty much out there by yourself in a way but there are loved ones you know and like I say groups that I can go to and feel that love and respect and share and um and really connect with but in terms of finding people that are, look like me that's been a that's been a real challenge the, the the next question is really about the the gift. What what have been the gifts or the treasures you have found uh, doing this work? Like what what you know what has been the rewards you find in in this path? I think you know, on, uh, and people ask, ask often ask about you know um, what 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 differences do you make in your work? And I think that's a really interesting question because I think the difference that we are making, and I'm just generalizing here in our work, is 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 on that continuum. And it's infinite. So you know, at the tiny end, you know, you're 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 sort of being in a space with people who are curious, who want to discover and learn just like you and want to play and if that is how you can measure it on a 0.00 richter scale that someone has entered the space found themselves comfortable being in the space and wants to be more curious and be more engaging and participating in whatever's going down whether that's a discussion a game or something and you've made them or those people or that person feel different about themselves that's a gift that's the gift on the sort of you know naught point naught 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 on the richter scale end you know those gifts we for me are such diamonds we can't ignore them because 
that's the starting point, it feels like, um, to notice things. Um, when people say, I was really feeling quite upset and angry about myself and weren't feeling in the right mood before we did the workshop, but after doing the workshop, I really feel happy and I can, I can um, feel a lot brighter and I feel a lot more connected and, you know, I feel like hearing someone say that, that's a huge gift. We, we've done so much or so little or whatever it is, but the outcome is that that person has stated that, you know, I remember just recently, well, before the lockdown, we were, I've been working with some men around mental health and suicide and black men and we created a play and and it was about their stories and we put it on you know in, in public places the libraries and stuff and at the end of the play um i said to the, you know to the group does anybody want to say anything about the process let the audience know about what you felt what was going on and uh one person got up there's lots and lots of everyone got up but one guy really touch me and he made everybody else kind of kind of cry and this guy said look I joined this group I was a bit reluctant I didn't know what was going to happen but let me tell you um this is the first time that I've done this and what I'm about to say I've never said this in all the 40 years of my life I'm actually gay and I just want to say that these guys feel so much like my family and it's I just feel a pleasure and I feel like I'm this is the family that I really would have wanted and when I hear things like that I just feel, oh my god you know and so you're part of that process that has helped for that to happen and so for me there is there's lots of lots of gifts if if I start to really focus down about what what has come out positive or negative you know a gift sometimes can be where someone's really upset because something has triggered in them something and they're no longer able to participate. They may have to sit out or leave the workshop. For me, it feels like that's a gift. And so a bit like an improvisation, there are so many things flying at you, so many signals at any one point. The improviser has to choose which one to sort of accept and focus on because you can't deal with them all. And there are so much that is there. There's, there's all of these gifts at any one moment. I think within ourselves, before we start work, during the work and after the work, it feels like there's there's gifts, but it's up to us to give, the, give it that focus and attention. Yeah, the, the next question is, is really about what would advice would you give someone starting out on this path or even to your you know, your, yourself coming out and, yeah, um, young, young uh, black man, even. <laughs> what would you say starting this social arts path? Um, be driven by your passion. And what I mean by that is that if you're passionate about thing let's just take you know um playing the piano if you're if you're driven by that then your job i think your job is to go and seek as much of that culture as possible immerse yourself in it 
Um, and that kind of means practicing in it, being in other groups of people who are doing it and going watching people who are doing it and just immerse yourself in that whole ecology of, of, of that thing. Um, because you need to be fed and nourished all of it, everything. And some of it may not be good, some of it may not be useful for you, but it will give you a different perspective. And the more you can kind of have this huge nourishment of that within that process, I think, you know, being aware of what's happening for you, what you're liking or you're more in tune to or stepping more away from or doing less of, but you'll find your way through. And for me, um, I found myself in the early days doing so many different types of um, workshops, you know, from physical theatre to circus to clown to dance to Shakespeare. And, you know, I wanted it all because it was all interesting. But I knew there comes a point where I have to really boil down what's my lane, where, which lane am I in? And it really had to be about improvisation because improvisation for me is the key to all of the work that I do because I don't use scripts. I don't get people to, I don't get involved in writers. I get, I, I the work that I'm involved in is getting people to, to improvise. So I need to know about improvisation. And that's been my kind of one thing that I've wanted to discover and learn and be more aware of. So I would tell people, find your passion, you know, what you want to do. Um, I've got a 26 year old son who, um, I've kind of, he's seen me, you know, do this work and uh, he now runs his own production company, um, you know, doing lots of filming and editing and stuff. And, you know, he's setting up, he's set up his own company, he's getting paid and he's doing his stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. But I realized that, you know, he was just following me. I was bringing him here, there, put him in the corner of the workshop. You sit there, watch what I do. And, and so he just got inspired by what I do. And, and so I know the effect that it can have for people, but you really do have to find your own passion. But within that, do as much as you can within that passion, within that frame, within that focus. Um, and you'll find your own lane within it. You know, always be up for learning, be curious to things that are just not even in your field sometimes that you might think, hmm, how could I bring architecture and whatever theatre together? Or how can I bring, yeah, you know, where does, where does food come into theatre? You know, don't say no to things. Just be passionate about what, what motivates you. Find your motivation and do as much learning as you can. And for me, it's about, doing it, doing the thing that you love. And that's by doing it live with someone or with others, but also learning it at the same time somewhere else. And obviously seeing it being done in different ways by other people. So immerse yourself in the thing that you love. That's what I would say to anybody. What, 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 what's me keeps you busy right now? And um, yeah, maybe we can start with that. So I've always worked freelance um, for the whole entire time. I mean, I've had, you know, 
I think I've had projects that have lasted for you know six weeks or maybe two months or something um contract worked but I've always worked freelance um and so for me it's constantly oh, what's my next job what's my next job how am I gonna pay the rent how you know um so at this stage in the game um being 55 years old and sort of being in the business for 30 or 30 years at least um i think uh there's there's a small percentage of the work that comes to me uh whether that's a drama school saying oh we you know we heard about you tony seeley could you come in and run some workshops with our year group or whatever, whatever. There's that kind of work. There's the work that comes from sort of um, the different networks that I'm involved in, whether that's to do with um, public health and um, running workshops for professionals um, in the use of drama to look at, you know, issues and stuff. Um, there's um, the work that, comes in yeah that way and a whole range of other sort of community voluntary sector organization charities will come and approach me and say look we want to do some work with you um there's that that's happening um which has kind of constantly been really feeding me over the years so it's a mixture of you know what comes in that i take on board but also, I can't tell you the last time that I've actually seen a job that's been advertised and I go, oh, I'm going to apply for that. It, it may have been about 15 years ago. Um, so writing, you know, sending off a CV and writing a job application, I'd feel, oh, my God, how do I do that? Um, so I have to really rely pretty much on creating my own work. I have to rely on building partnerships and collaborations within the networks that I know to develop work. And that's what I've always been doing, I think, from day one. And I see myself a little bit sort of, if you understand the word, scatty, running here, running there. You know, sometimes I can stop and focus and drill down and, you know, hibernate in that tunnel for however long. But often, you know, I'm popping back up and I'm running over there and I'm running over here. So that freelance way of working and trying to sort of, you know, as as I've been able to sort of find a way to manage all of that, um, is the way that I kind of accept work coming in, but also putting work out there. I tend to, yeah, um, sort of offer and invite people this is what I'm working on. Would this be of interest to you? Would you be interested in this training course? Would you be interested in uh, having this laboratory with your workers to explore, blah, 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 blah. So it's the in and the out that's working for me. Um, but currently, uh, right now, um, I'm kind of, I've been curating the biggest project of my life over the last four years. Um, so in 1981 in london um civic eruptions happened in borough 
of of where I live in Brixton, and there was a, there was a riot essentially. And I remember dropping out of school and getting in trouble for bunking off school and going down to the riots and taking part in the riots. And so next year, it's going to be the 40th anniversary of this 1981 riots, which another word is more uprisings for me. And I, five years ago, I realized, oh my God, yeah, in five years time, it's going to be the 40th anniversary of this. And I want to do something that really brings everybody out across difference. And so I have essentially been holding um, ideas labs where I've managed to work with local people, businesses, artists, activists, residents, community grassroots groups um, to come and talk about this commemorative anniversary event that happened 40 years ago um, where, you know, the black community were oppressed by the police and a riot kicked off. And, and so that whole event, um, I wanted to find a way to, yeah, shine a light on that, make that come alive again next year. And so I've been working with the community to build the framework. And we, you know, since then I've managed to collate a group of 76 people who are the steering group and um, found um, some um, cultural partners um, that are involved in the project, um, small and large, um, to create some kind of memorable uh, uh, program of work that highlights what happened 40 years ago. And um, it's taken this long to, you know, for it to kind of come alive because we've just recently heard from the Arts Council that we've got a uh, hundred grand research funding that's come through uh, that we've got to now act quite fast because it's April next year that this thing is happening. And now we're in time of COVID. How does that impact the programme? But I feel I feel kind of blessed um, because it kind of originally came from the idea that I had, and then bringing all of the other people involved in it um, who are coming from all walks of life to be involved in this thing because they had an experience. And even if people weren't involved in it back then, it's about what's happening now in terms of Black Lives Matter and across the world and looking at, you know, radicalism and activism. And so I'm, I'm perfectly, well, not me, but the, the program, the project is perfectly situated in the right time to bring out this thing that happened 40 years ago that is still happening to oppressed people this very day. So we, we are going to be uh, creating this program. The program is called 81 Acts of exuberant defiance and there will be 81 acts happening throughout uh, about a year period um so i'm very much that's my biggest project of my career today easily it that's what fun. i'm working on now <laughs> sounds fantastic it sounds sounds really inspiring and yeah, I, I feel to to you know end with the note of the dream. What's your dream 
for for social arts for the world um what what's the vision you 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 hold for that i think ideally you know that we see tables turned in terms of what's happened recently to the world coming unbalanced and we need to obviously find a way out of this and finding the way out is the change that needs to be implemented so in terms of you know arts and culture and activism i mean what i'd like to see is the incorporation of the arts much more into the fabric of everyday life and, and um in a way that is not happening before covid you know a year ago 10 years ago five years i'd like to see the way that how we as activists artists creators curators whatever we do that brings um art and value and peace and awareness how we can somehow put that into you know the real sort of systems of 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 society and what do i mean by that well i suppose i you know i've always had a dream of you know how do you how do you change how how might you respond differently to a to to the riots that happen in black lives matter in across america well um one way might be that the that the public service services police fire ambulance maybe they could play music whilst that is all kicking off on the streets um maybe they could you know use some artistic expression to to manage and cope and maybe i don't know distract or whatever but bring something different and that's what i'm talking about you know at these big policy kind of meetings which we were excluded from is there a way to you know <laughs> for people to be more creative within those kind of areas of 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 policy and and um yeah just that's what i would love to that's the vision is to see this embedded into the fabric of everyday life particularly you know as we go higher up in the echelons of society how can we find ways to really bring about that change um and we're i think we're all doing it in our way but we we really want to see it don't we really lots lots more and know that that's consistent and happening um you know wonderful work that Katie Rubin's done and she's come over here and working in Manchester and working specifically with the homeless kind of community and you know really trying to embed you know that kind of way of working within those policy people and stuff that's exactly what i'm talking about it we need to see much more of that type of work in all sorts of sort of sectors really um how we can yeah bring the art in 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 a way that is missing that brings value that brings another dimension in, in terms of how we can be together across difference and and talk about the difficult things that that are affecting people how can that be how can a management team you know really rely on some kind of artistic way of functioning within the 
the workplace you know i don't know i just want to see more of that yeah thank you so much tony for for all this inspiration and the amazing work you are doing uh, across the board really across the board and across the, the, the borders uh, which is like one of our kind of themes uh, well thank you yuri it's been a pleasure uh, to do this and uh, to support your work and your endeavors um, i've got your back so yeah mutual and Hello, I'm Ilario Olimpico. In the next episode, I will be talking with Doriana Crema, an Italian dancer, a choreographer, a counselor and a trainer. The conversation is in Italian and is accompanied with an English blog post on imagination.org. If you like the podcast, like, share and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Support me in making the podcast on coffee slash imagination. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and stay tuned for the next episode.